You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with you all on this Wednesday, and it is like the day before Christmas, the night before Christmas, I guess, because tomorrow is the NBA draft. But before we get to that stuff, maybe we'll talk about second round picks at some point on here. We've had a lot of news recently. We are going to talk about the fourth pick and trade options that the Pelicans have, as well as maybe the deal with the Lakers expanding. I'll give you the latest update on that. And then, of course, the Celtics and Rockets are in the news for all the wrong reasons. We'll wrap up the pod with that. So let's dive into it all in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. So let's lead off with the Anthony Davis trade because the Lakers are scrambling. We've talked on Monday about the importance of the date that a trade gets done, that July 6th versus July 30th. And if you want to know a little bit more about the cap space for both those teams, definitely give that a listen. The Lakers clearly did not know the difference between the two dates and agreed to get this trade done on the 6th as soon as possible. And now they are scrambling, simple as that, because they will not have the max cap space to sign a big-name free agent without the Pelicans either playing ball and moving it back or some crazy moves that they could do, and there's ways and avenues to go about it. But this comes from Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN saying, the Lakers are trying to expand the Anthony Davis trade and create ability to open a max salary spot on July 6th. Lakers offering contracts of Mo uh, Wagner, uh, Wagner, sorry, Jamario Jones, Isaac Bonga to additional teams so LA can satisfy CBA rules on creating $32 million in space. So this is not them trying to offload these guys for second round picks because there are things as cap holds that create issues there if you do that. However, this is them looking to make this deal a three-team trade with a third team taking on the contracts of Wagner, Jones, and Bonga to try and get this done so that they have the max space that they want to immediately sign a big-name free agent while getting this trade done as quickly as possible. Very clearly, Rob Polinka had no idea what was going on with the salary cap situation. Otherwise, this would have likely kind of been a big sticking point in all of that. It's kind of funny to me, in a way, that he had no idea, and this is something that you would want to have. Hell, the Timberwolves right now, their second in command, created the NBA trade machine on ESPN. There are guys you can hire that handle this sort of thing. Unfortunately, 
they don't seem to work for the Lakers. So this is pretty awful from them. But this means that things, again, might get a little bit complicated. And we're going to talk about it in the next segment, how the Pelicans are looking to move number four, have offers maybe on the table for the fourth overall pick, and are still kind of deciding what to do. And it could be that they a third team gets roped in and ends up taking on some of these guys that they have under contract to help clear space and get this deal done on the sixth, because that's what it sounds like it's going to be. So the Lakers scrambling. There might be more to come with the Anthony Davis trade. It doesn't sound like this deal will get done on the 30th. So don't expect maybe additional pieces from the Lakers coming to New Orleans as they do the Lakers a solid and move it back. They're not going to get paid to move it back. So we'll see where this goes. But obviously this trade is maybe going to have three teams involved in it now. But the core of the deal is still there. I posted on Twitter, what would stop the Lakers really from, and this was a rhetorical question, by the way, from saying, you know what, we're not trading for AD anymore, or we need to change the the parameters of the trade and you need to take on additional salary. Not a good idea. So in the NBA's opinion, it's like nothing has happened right now. It is not official until the trade call occurs, which won't be until July 6th. But would any team around the league then ever deal with the Lakers again? And also, what does Rich Paul say about this? And that's a big issue. Look, the Pelicans didn't have offers on the table that we thought they were going to, and uh, their leverage started to deteriorate. So maybe the Lakers realized they gave up too much, overplayed their hand, and are like, oh no, maybe we don't need to do that, or maybe you need to take some other stuff back. Not going to happen. This is basically agreed upon. I can't even imagine the ramifications that would come from it. It's one of those things that you don't even really think about. So it's not something we really need to dive into. Don't worry about that whatsoever. I'd seen this idea also posed a couple of different places. Not anything we need to worry about here. But, oh man, are the Lakers a bit of a mess for this whole situation? And they really are scrambling to try and figure this out. Good news is, you know, it's June 19th. They have until July 6th to kind of sort all of this out. So there's obviously a lot going on with the Pelicans, and we are going to be covering all of this in the weeks, days, and months to come. The end of the AD era, the start of the Zion era tomorrow, which is really exciting, and we're here to cover it all, plus all of the unknown, which we're going to talk about, especially when it comes to the fourth overall pick. So make sure you subscribe to the Locked on Pelicans podcast. Please leave a five-star rating as well, and make sure you never miss an episode, whether you're a new listener or someone who's been here since the beginning. I appreciate it all. It is a very fun time to be a Pelicans fan, so make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to Locked on Pelicans. So the fourth overall pick seems to be a very hot commodity all of a sudden. In a three-player draft, there is a lot of interest in teams trading up to grab it from New Orleans, which maybe makes you wonder if they should keep it. It seems the name on everyone's lips is Vanderbilt guard Darius Garland. He's kind of been the fast riser. He's really starting to come into his own as the fourth best player in the draft, according to a variety of people and how high he's shooting up these teams' draft boards. Hell, the Knicks, with the third overall pick, are having him in for a workout on Wednesday and maybe considering taking him there, which is kind of crazy to think about from even just two weeks ago, let's say. So there's significant interest in teams trying to move up. And so the Pelicans, who probably want to get rid of this fourth overall pick and not really carry two highly drafted rookies on the team next year, find themselves in a very good position. 
So either, you know, you take the best player available and can move him later, or teams maybe are fighting to kind of get that spot right now. Look no further than the Atlanta Hawks. Armed with 8, 10, and 17 in the first round, it's very clear they want to move up in the draft. And apparently they reached out to the New York Knicks about trading for the third overall slot. The Knicks said no, so... Maybe the next natural thing is to look to New Orleans and try and grab the fourth spot. You got to wonder if maybe they're looking to take R.J. Barrett, but we'll see. And if he's not there, maybe they're less interested in it. But there's a number of other teams, and the Pelicans can either move this fourth overall pick for draft picks or established NBA players. So any deal with Atlanta is likely going to center around future first round picks, the current first round picks that they have. You can probably get something done built around that. But that's not nearly as fun. What about some of the guys that New Orleans might be targeting with the fourth overall pick? Established NBA players. Well, I've got some names for you. Minnesota jumps out as a team that would like to move up to number four, maybe to get Darius Garland or one of the top tier point guards, top tier, one of the better point guards, let's say, in this draft, kind of having a need for a lead guard since they've been running with Jeff Teague and Derrick Rose this past season. You know, they've got the 10th overall pick that can kind of make do with it. Uh, But you also have a guy who is kind of intriguing for maybe what you would want, and that is Robert Covington with them. This is a guy who is one of the better defenders in the NBA, plays the small forward position, gives you just enough offense, doesn't need to be more than a fourth or fifth option, and makes a lot of sense. You know, his contract, let me pull this up, which I should have done in the first place here, is something like 11 million, 12 million, 13 million the next three years. That's reasonable, I think. And he makes your defense really good. He kind of fits in what you'd like, can defend multiple positions, and he does just well enough while also still giving you a top pick in the NBA draft coming up. So that's an eye a name to keep an eye on. He's a 36 percent shooter from deep shot 37.2 percent last season before that with Philly uh, or sorry in the same year with Philly was shooting almost 40 percent from deep and he can do it sometimes on pretty decent volume so he's not the worst guy that you could bring in I think makes a lot of sense this is a guy who in Minnesota took almost seven threes per game three and D fits exactly what New Orleans would like to see I think that's a team that makes a lot of sense and I think definitely keep an eye out on them the other one that has apparently had some interest in moving up to number four is Indiana and the name with ever everyone's thinking about there is Miles Turner so could you do a deal around Miles Turner for number four I think it's potentially realistic it really kind of depends what Indiana thinks of themselves and what they think they can do next year this was a team that was fifth in the Eastern Conference even though Victor Oladipo was hurt and it had to end his season prematurely you've got some young players in there Demonis Sabonis is a center that could work well Miles Turner so you can keep one of them and then you still have a guy to kind of trade and get the fourth overall pick they could also use a lead guard Derek Carlson's going to be a free agent. Aaron Holiday's there, but he's young, and who knows if he's going to end up being that main go-to point guard for this team. So maybe Darius Garland is 
really intriguing to them. So Miles Turner might be the dream right now in terms of centers and bigs that are young and kind of on a timeline with what you want to see for the New Orleans Pelicans. He's also on a decent enough contract too. He's going to be signed an extension. He's going to be getting paid $18 million per season for the next four years. $20 million basically for a guy who defends as well as he does. And he led the league in blocks last season, 2.7 per game. Also great at poking the ball away and creating steals on the defensive side of the ball. And just protects the rim overall. Exactly what you want to see. He's also a decent enough three-point shooter. 36.3% from deep. Shot 38.8% last season. And he can space the court if need be. Not on huge volume, but still. He's a threat out there, and if you leave him open, certainly he's going to burn you. He's pretty durable for his career as well. Average 13.3 points per game. So he's taking shots inside. Pretty efficient. He gets to the line not as much as you'd like, but you know, with Zion and maybe being in the bonus early, that's going to help. But he just makes it easier on Zion Williamson. Zion's best when he can roam a little bit, when he can get his arms in the passing lanes, pick the ball off or knock the ball loose, grab it in transition, and then just run out for an easy dunk. If you have him playing center, which I think maybe is the long-term projection for him potentially, he's stuck to the rim. He's stuck down low. He can't just wreck the havoc with his athleticism, his instincts that you'd really like to see. So getting a guy who can be that rim protector frees him up to probably be the best defensive player he can be. Miles Turner being young, a good player with some range, Definitely a name to keep an eye on. There's two other teams I want to mention, and maybe three. We'll briefly mention Chicago because everyone's kind of excited about the idea of Lowry Markinen, their first-round pick from last year, one of their first-round picks from last year. I don't think he's really on the table and is going to be very expensive for New Orleans to try and get. He's good. He looked really good last year and I think kind of surprised a lot of people. Also, he's not a rookie. It was his second year in the league. Um, He started, I think he was injured to start the year, which is what confused me there. 18.7 points per game for Chicago last season. He shot well enough from deep 36.1% on six and a half attempts per game. He can go out and he can get you buckets. He rebounds well too, nine per game, and plays just enough defense. He can really space the court much more so than Miles Turner. He's just going to cost you a lot. And I don't know if New Orleans wants to necessarily pay that price for him or even if Chicago's going to include him in a trade. So he's one. Sounds nice. Don't think it's really going to happen. People have also thrown out Phoenix. I don't see really what would make a ton of sense there. Maybe TJ Warren from them. I, but I've seen a lot of people throw DeAndre Ayton out. I just, I don't know. Something seems like it just isn't going to fit there unless, you know, they get crazy or desperate and we'll see. But they're also picking six. It's not that far behind New Orleans. They likely can get a guy that they want at that spot. So this leaves with two, us with two teams that we're also going to talk about in the next segment because they're going through a bit of a disaster period. They had some really bad days yesterday. The first one being the Houston Rockets. Could you plot, uh, pry Clint Capella from them? They are looking to try and retool that team, get them back into being an NBA title contender because there's some discord there. Maybe you need to move on from Capella, who could easily be that rim-protecting big for Zion Williamson, also one of the better pick-and-roll bigs in the league. Imagine those two guys, um, 
Capella setting screens for Zion, who's the ball handler, and then rolling, and it's not Zion throwing down the lob. It's going to be Clint Capella. That sounds like a lot of fun and a team that would be very, very good. He is not a court spacer, though, whatsoever for New Orleans. Um, Not taking threes at all, and I think that is a bit of an issue. But I think Zion can also do well without a ton of space, just like he did in college. The other team to kind of keep an eye on who's having a really bad day is the Boston Celtics. They've apparently looked into trading up because they're about to lose Kyrie Irving and... Now, all of a sudden, it looks like Al Horford's going to be leaving too. So could you get that Memphis future first round pick and the 14th pick in this draft and maybe something else if need be for the fourth overall selection? If New Orleans wants to try and kick the can down the road a little bit and not really load up with too many rookies this year, that Memphis pick is an asset that could be really good, not next year where it's top six protected, but the year after that when it's unprotected. And it sounds like they're on the verge potentially of trading Mike Conley leading to likely a lengthy rebuild for that team. Something to keep an eye on. So maybe those picks didn't come over with the Anthony Davis trade, but maybe you can still get some of those assets from the Boston Celtics. So those are some teams just to keep an eye on. There's going to be a lot of interest in the fourth pick leading up to the NBA draft. All right, so we got some teams in disarray. I'm going to let you know what that is because maybe it has some impact on the Pelicans or has already had an impact on the Pelicans. But again, I'm going to tell you, subscribe to the Locked On Pelicans podcast. Leave a five-star rating if you can as well. And make sure you never miss an episode. It's over there on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. You can tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Pelicans to get the latest episode. So always make sure you listen and subscribe to Locked On Pelicans. All right, a lot of news around the NBA, some of it which impacts the Pelicans, some of it, well, eh, we'll see. The big story is, of course, around the Houston Rockets and the Boston Celtics. They had a bad day yesterday. Houston Rockets story coming out on Yahoo that both James Harden and Chris Paul hate each other. And Chris Paul wants a trade, which really kind of when you watch him makes a lot of sense. You've got James Harden pounding the rock, pounding the rock, pounding the rock, taking a step back three or driving and getting to the line that way, leaving Rich Paul, not Rich Paul, Chris Paul. We got Rich Paul. We got Paul's on the mind here. Chris Paul, not a whole lot to do. Which, for a guy who's been referred to as not a point guard, but the point god before, not exactly what you want to see f- uh, f- You know, if you're him. He just signed that new deal, basically making it really tough to trade him, though. I, you know, you don't want to call any contract untradeable, but that is a lot of money he's owed over the next three years. $124 million, so he's averaging something like, what, $41 million, $42 million per season? That is not easy to move as we start to kick into the years of gargantuan NBA contracts. And if a guy doesn't live up to it, and he's been injured too, makes it even more difficult. So we're going to see what they do. They certainly would like to move him. They need to do something there. Maybe that means a guy like Clint Capella is going to be available somewhere down the line. For the Boston Celtics, man, you hate to see it. Not really, because I think they've been lusting after Anthony Davis for so many years, almost to the degree of tampering. And now all of a sudden, this is kind of, as my cat, I think, just like ran into a wall here. Um, what the <laughs> oh, sorry, uh, I'm not even going to cut this out. We're, we're just going to keep rolling live here. Um, 
so all the tampering stuff with Anthony Davis, lusting after him, kind of trying to make moves, and then not, because all of a sudden things have just completely imploded on them. Now maybe it would have been good to use all of those assets they had. It sounds like Kyrie is going full on millennial and ghosting the Boston Celtics. Yeah, millennials, we also ruin NBA free agency too, in addition to all of the other industries like napkins and things that we've killed, and straws maybe too. So Kyrie Irving is going to be gone. Looks like he's going to the Brooklyn Nets. Seems like that is just a foregone conclusion at this point. But then the stuff with Al Horford came along yesterday. He was opting out of his $30 million player option. For a dude that's 33 to opt out of $30 million, kind of surprising. But we all assumed that maybe he would just renegotiate a three-year deal, which is what the number was, a four-year deal, with the Boston Celtics, just get some more longer-term financial security. Then all of a sudden, it gets dropped that no, he's not going to be re-signing and going elsewhere. The Boston Celtics can get about $20 million in cap space, same number as the Pelicans, but all of a sudden, you're looking at a roster that's Terry Rozier, Marcus Smart, Gordon Hayward, uh, Yabuselli, maybe Robert Williams, and oh, and of course, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. I should probably mention like those names in there. That is not a deep playoff roster, if a playoff roster at all. They are in a world of hurt. Al Horford was such a big, important player for them in terms of defense, being able to space the court as well. Just a disaster of an offseason for them. Cool. You got all those picks and everything, but you know what? Those aren't players. And now maybe they're looking at a bit of a retool, a rebuild, and that could be why they're looking at number four overall from New Orleans. Other quick note that is out there in the NBA that was kind of surprising. Harrison Barnes opting out of his $25 million player option are not picking it up with the Sacramento Kings. He's young. He could get a deal. $25 million was a lot, though, and I don't know if he's going to be getting that per year. Probably not, but maybe he still just wants to get a long-term kind of security blanket in there. Intriguing name, particularly if you can maybe have him at the right price. I kind of am higher on him than a lot of other people are, so worth keeping an eye on what happens with Harrison Barnes and his free agency. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of Locked On Pelicans. Tomorrow, draft day, we are going to have the cliff notes for everything you need to know. It's going to be like a field guide of what to prepare for. Trade options, pick options. Who are some mid-tier prospects that maybe the Pelicans are going to be looking at as well? We could also potentially touch on second-round picks, which is something we've been wanting to do for a while, but keeps getting pushed back because there's new news every single day. So we will see where we go with that, but I'm going to have you prepped and ready for draft draft day what is a huge night for your new orleans pelicans so thank you all for listening don't forget subscribe to the podcast rate it five stars and as always i'm jake madison at nola jake on twitter and i'll be back with you all tomorrow